Ah, La Roma de Cuba. This is a fun stick. Because you can find them at so many tobacconists. It's easy to get a hold of this cigar. And what they do is a lovely job. Really and truly. Now, is it always in my humidor? Well, no. But then again, I don't always get my hands on the Mia Moore. Now we're talking about something you're going to want to check out for yourself. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that right there lighting up is Fingers Malloy. He is America's favorite amateur drinker. LaAromaDeCuba.com. This is the Mi Amor. This is a box press 6x52, which means this cigar right here is six inches long. <laughs> Always makes Fingers Malloy laugh. And the ring gauge is at 52. That's the diameter of the cigar. Basically, think of how thick that it is around. Again, with the laughter. So a 64 ring gauge would be a full one inch around. So a 52 right in a good spot. And I am a sucker for a box press, right? It's a little squared off, rounded on the corners. You can set it down. It's not going to blow away in the wind. Everything about it. Just absolutely my kind of shape. And this wrapper, this Mexican San Andreas, which you know is going to add that natural sweetness, the right amount of oil fingers, yep. the right amount of grit, and you've already lit up. I haven't even done that yet. Oh, well, light up. No, first of all, it feels really good in the hand. Uh, the weight is perfect. Uh, you know, right on the light, there's that sweetness that you're talking about, kind of a cocoa sweetness, and there's a little bit of a, a nuttiness Would to it as well. Is there a shtickle? A shtickle? I don't... What is, like I thought a shtickle that, of fluoride? I thought that, we, that just was a measurement for fluoride. You mean it's shtickle can be used in all sorts of different situations? According to my people, yes. Oh, I learned so much on the show. Eat, drink, smoke. It's really something not only for people who love cigars, but also for people who just like to learn things. You just lit up. You're getting those coconuts. You're getting that bit mm-hmm. of sweetness. Was it nutmeg that you thought you were? Not, not just, a bit nutty. of nuttiness. Nutty. No. Okay. No, not nutmeg. Uh, but it, boy, it it feels like I said, good in the hand. Nice, pleasant, easy draw. Uh, I'm always looking for a cigar that works on the golf course. And we always lean towards a, a box press just so it won't roll away on you if you leave it on the cart there. Uh, so I'm going to be interested to see if, if this would be a golf course stick. So is it is golf course stick for you about price? Is it about how it smokes and how it can handle uh, maybe the, the, the weather? Is it about flavor profile when you've got the sun beating down on you? What is it? What makes a golf course cigar for you? Uh, for me, first of all, value. Yeah, I don't want to spend $20 on a, a golf course stick because you could have it blow into a sand trap. You could uh, have it fall off your cart and then get, get run over by, uh, you know, uh, uh, on the course. So it's, it's something that has to provide value. But also, a lot of times I will lean towards a Connecticut just because I, I like a Connecticut in the morning, and if you're teeing off at 8 o'clock in the morning, that with a cup of coffee, uh, I, I like to lean towards those. But, you know, uh, for me, value, flavor profile, and uh, utility, would that be a good word? No, I think utility is actually a really nice way to, to put it, and the box press offers that utility. I also, uh, you know, it, it's not that a box press will handle the wind any any better. It's just some construction is certainly better than others. Uh, I actually wouldn't mind this in the morning. This does play towards the medium full 
in terms of a, a flavor profile. But I think that this, as, as a Mexican San Andreas, with that sweetness, that, that coffee that's in there, there's also a, a nice little bit of, uh, of, of, of earthiness uh, that goes along with it that I happen to like. I think this could work extremely well with a coffee. What you think is, well, what you think. That's why you got to pull out your notebook. What did you eat today? What did you drink today? As we record the show, the weather is chef's kiss perfect in Indianapolis, Indiana, and we're gearing up for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500, which if you've never been to, you have to go. It is nuts. And, of course, check for our list of the selections, the unofficial Cigar selections for the Indy 500. We make them at Eat, Drink, Smoke. We are responsible for the unoffi- the official unofficial list. I was going to say, it's the official list of Eat, Drink, Smoke, but not the official list of the Indy 500. Correct. There we go. Correct. It is the unofficial official list of what you should smoke at the Indianapolis 500, according to Eat, Drink, Smoke, presented by Tyler Perry. Is that how it works? I think so. Tyler Perry presents? This would be one of uh, 62 projects he's involved mm. with. Yes. Yeah. If, if you didn't know that, Tyler Perry owns a significant part of Eat, Drink, Smoke. <laughs> does he know that? No, he does not no. because he does not own a significant part <laughs> of, of, of Eat, Drink, Smoke. I just, I just want to be clear ab- about that. But if he would like to invest, we're, we're right here, sir. And let me tell you, we think Medea is gold. We would smoke with Medea. We take cash, uh, check, and diner's club. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. The law. Aroma de Cuba, the Mi Amor. Now, there are, as I said, they make a few in in that um, in that line of of La Aroma, but this just happens to just you know. You talked about the weight distribution on this thing. This thing feels perfect. It yeah. feels hefty, and we've had plenty of six by fifty twos that they feel a little light, a little wiffle ball battish. Everything about this says I could I could use this as a billy club. Yeah, it's just working. And look at all the smoke coming off of this. I, I mean, this is this is definitely you can I, actually see how thick the wrapper is there. Yeah, sometimes you can when when you, you've got the right wrapper and you see how it burns, you can actually see the depth of the wrapper when you, when you take a look at that foot end. That that's the end that you light. You cut from the cap. You light from the foot. And it's just, oh, it's a beautiful look. It is beautiful. But in your notebooks, what did you eat? What did you drink? Uh, the weather. And then, of course, what you're getting from each third of the cigar. Break it up in your eye, in your mind's eye. First third, second third, final third. And then what are the flavors you're getting? You want to write that down. When you go back and smoke, smoke the cigar, in another couple months, you take the notes, you compare them. Those are your through lines. That's what you're really getting from the cigar. Well, another thing that you need to keep in mind when you're enjoying a cigar is your cut. If you look at mine, I I really shallow, baby. really uh, had a shallow cut on this. I'm going to have to recut it. That's totally fine. And people, you know, uh, I don't cut too deep. You don't want to cut into the meat of the cigar. You're giving up cigar, and I think you're in in many ways ruining the the experience. We are believers here in cutting shallow. We don't mind a touch of intensity. Opening it up, opening the cap up as much as as the blenders really wanted you to. So as that cap starts coming to 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 uh, to a head, right? It starts coming in. 
Uh, that's where we cut from. And sometimes if you cut too shallow, take off a little bit more. It's okay. You can always take off more. You can't put it back. You know what I always like to say, Tony? What is that? Measure twice, cut once. Is that what you say? That's what I say all the time. You are the carpenter of cigars. That's what I've always said. The Aroma de Cuba. La Aroma de Cuba, mi amor. Uh, you can find this everywhere. Really, your local tobacconist either has it or knows where uh, to get it. The question, Fingers Malloy, is in this in your humidor... For eight to ten dollars a stick. Yes. Yeah, that's that. I think that's the correct answer. I have not determined if there's a box of these, but there's no doubt a couple of these because they, in that price point, it works really well for a lot of of, of opportunities. And if you're somebody who likes some of the bigger feel in a cigar, this is a great way to get there. An absolutely great way to get there. It feels like it's getting harder and harder to get cigars in that price point. It's is getting harder and harder. But then again, all the costs everywhere. We'll get into that story. It's a good question. I mean, a solid question. Now that we're into the season, you're outdoors, you got the grill going, you're putting meat on heat or you're smoking it, which is indirect heat, and our book will help you do that. How often do you clean your grill? Seat, drink, smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is Fingers Malloy. The book, Let's Go Barbecue. Find it on Amazon.com. Uh, don't worry. It's coming out in mere days. By the time you hear this, it may already be out and ready for you. It has got recipes. It's got the history of barbecue. It's got stories about brisket. If you ever wondered how to actually smoke your Thanksgiving turkey, we've got you covered. Just don't ask about the spatchcocking. We did not even try and tackle that whole world. But the book, we are thrilled with how it came out, and you are going to love it. Get it now for Father's Day. Let's go barbecue from us here at Eat, Drink, Smoke. Spatchcock. The question, of course, is how you clean your grill. I walked right by that, Fingers. What? What, you think I was going to sit there and talk about that for a while? Um, there's a difference between cleaning your grill where you're adding actual heat a flame to the meat versus maybe your smoker. And each smoker has its own needs. So uh, Fingers uses the, the, was it the Masterbuilt? Masterbuilt Gravity Series grill slash smoker. And I use a Traeger Ironwood 650. So I, I can talk about the pellet grill, the Traeger, for, for just a moment as a smoker. You, I clean mine every other use. Okay. Now, I'm not talking about whether or not I'm cleaning the grates down or anything like that. I'm talking about a full disassembly and vacuuming out the pot. Oh, wow. It has to get done. The the, the pellet grill, how the, the system is an auger system, right? So you've got the hopper, it's got the pellets in there, and there's this auger that moves, and it moves the pellets into this pot where they're heating up and they're burning and that's what's creating the heat and the smoke and, and everything else. It's a system. If you don't clean that, I'm talking about shop vac, vacuum it out. That's what I mean by cleaning. Uh, you will not get a proper burn. It's just impossible to get a proper burn and without that, there's no way for you to actually properly utilize a Traeger to smoke a brisket, for example. That's interesting because for me, I clean mine when I actually take the grates off. I have to clean mine as well, but it's not a question of whether or not I will be able to bring my grill up to temperature. It's more of there's a, a manifold 
uh, right. that that distributes the 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 air from the the chimney uh, via a fan. If that manifold gets too much grease on it, and I bring it up to a high temperature, I'm going to have a bad time. It ah. will, we will have a serious uh, flare up. So uh, now I've done a flare up on the Traeger. I've done that, and that comes from from two things. Of course, you've got the pan, right? It's angled down, and it'll drip out. And then there's a a bucket, you know that that you have, and you can actually buy the little inserts for the bucket and do it. Do what you want. You can make your own. What? Who am I here to? To tell you, you know, support Traeger. Buy the buy the <laughs> buy the inserts. Um, if you haven't cleaned out where that grease is coming out, and really giving it a good cleaning, I'd say once every fourth or fifth time. That's my view. I'm I'm trying to be human about the thing. Yeah. I, oh, I disassemble it every time I use it. I send it through the shop. I have some experts come in <laughs> from the south of France, and they clean France. it. France. <laughs> And they clean it. Oh, my God. You've never seen such a thing with Swiss-German precision. So let me That's ask. That's right. South of France, Swiss-German Swiss precision. The Swiss-French. Say that five times fast. I want to ask you this because I've noticed this with my master-built grill. And because Traeger has become as popular as it has, I'm curious if there's a same market for Traeger as there is with my master built as far as modifications like third parties where you can buy different things to enhance your Traeger grill like for instance for the uh, master built you can buy uh, third parties will will make uh, grates they'll they'll make uh, uh, there's a, a manifold cover that will prevent drippings from hitting the manifold that it doesn't come with master built I'm curious if there's a whole modification world with the Traeger grills like there is with Masterbuilt. So, I mean, when you say mods, you like you can add a shelf that just it's easier to hold yes. things. Uh, you can add um, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe you know you can add like the the grill grates. Like you actually got me a set of the grill grates. I did a reverse sear on some Delmonicos the other day. Worked perfect, absolutely perfect because uh, a Traeger, a s smoker. It's not going to get to the 700 degrees. You need the master built. You need a gas grill. You need a, a green egg, something like that, to really get the high heat. So if you're, if you're focused on grilling as opposed to smoking, you can get the sear marks and kind of get that flavor you're going for. The grill grates on the, on the Traeger actually did a very, very good job. They really retain heat. That's very cool. I just got a set for my master built uh, and broke them in over the weekend. I had some fillets and... I was really impressed with the grill marks that those things make. And my, my grill gets up to, to 700 degrees, but you know, grill grates, they claim that they will get 200 degrees hotter than what your grill is set at. So, but but as, as in terms of like some other kind of modification that you can, you know, like, like overclock your computer or get your Traeger up to 1,400 degrees, you know, you, you, you have regular smoke, regular uh, heat, uh, 500 degrees, and then the power of the sun. You've, <laughs> you've, you've, you're engaged in, in cold fusion. No, I haven't seen that, but I also haven't looked for it because I'm not interested. I mean, do you ever see yourself being that guy, though? No. No, I definitely now see myself as the guy who's going to have more than one kind. Yeah. Right. So the gas grill's coming this summer. Mm -hmm. I just haven't figured out whether I'm going to get something portable or I'm going to get the kitchen kind of thing. 
going and done. I haven't figured that part out yet. So that's why I haven't done it. Because if you do the kitchen, you can do like the one that's almost like tabletop-ish yeah. and build around it. They're outrageously expensive. You got to be committed. And I don't know if I'm committed to that part of it. I think I may want the luxury of mobility. I could see that. Also, I know you, you briefly talked about getting an infrared grill. And that fascinates me just because you see some of these claims that they can get up to, what, 1,500 degrees. And you talk about how important it is to have a good sear on a steak. I'm thinking 1,500 degrees, you could probably get a decent sear. I, but the, the, I wasn't thinking about getting something separate. I was thinking about they, they have these grills that have the infrared capacity. And I was like, is this something I'm interested in? Is this something I want? I haven't, I haven't decided because I also, have again, haven't decided on uh, the size and the scope and the stationary versus the mobile. Yeah. I love the look of the stationary. I don't think I have the lifestyle of the stationary. You know, if, if I have it in a place where it's not covered and then it rains, am I not doing it? Maybe I just want to move it and do it and be fine. I just have found the, the grill that I have right now, I've left outside with a cover on and it has deteriorated quite a bit since brand new. And it's only three years old versus I had a Weber gas grill that I always kept inside. And that lasted over 20 years before I gave it away to someone else. And it looked almost brand new. So well, keeping I, it in the elements, even covered. I, I keep my Traeger outside. I keep it covered. It looks great. Looks great. Works great. The whole thing. Uh, that was a great buy. That has worked out well, and hopefully we'll continue to do so. So as we have all been subjected to the insanity of this idea that you shouldn't be allowed a gas stove, it's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is Fingers Malloy. Find everything at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com and our new book, Let's Go Barbecue. It'll be out any day at Amazon.com. Recipes, stories, factoids, quotes, and more recipes. It is fantastic. We are thrilled with the final product, Let's Go Barbecue, the companion to Let's Go Bourbon. Both will be available at Amazon.com. Just reach out and just search out Let's Go BBQ or Let's Go Bourbon, and you will find the books and perfect gifts for Father's Day. This is a conversation about gas stoves and how gas stoves, according to some, will cause asthma in children if they're used in confined spaces with not enough ventilation. Others argue through studies that it isn't about the fuel source, but rather about what's being cooked that can put irritants into the air and make it a little harder to breathe. In all these cases, chefs use gas. They want the control. They like the way the heat works. They have more power on it. On the baking, you can go either way, but a lot of people like to bake with electric because it gives a more exact temperature. And remember, cooking is art. Baking is science. There's a difference in the two things. I, I had no idea that you could get a combo because I have grown up. I had grown up with an electric stove. I have electric in my house. I didn't know that a, a gas uh, stove came with, you could get a gas burner with an electric oven. Gas cooktop, electric oven, that's what we have. It When it finally shows up, dual fuel, it's been weeks. I know you don't want to get into it, but what, what's the supply chain issues when it comes to <laughs> ovens? Uh, it turns out they just hate me. <laughs> it's not a supply chain issue. Clearly, I insulted somebody's mother. I take you now to California, where we now get into the reality that all the animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. Yes, I'm quoting Animal Farm. I'm talking George Orwell. 
the city of Palo Alto has said no to gas stoves. You can't do gas stoves in Palo Alto, California, unless your name is Jose Andres. Oh, uh-huh. celebrity chef Jose Andres, because the city of Palo Alto has now said that he can use gas stoves in his new restaurant, which exempts him from the new ban on natural gas hookups in new construction that takes effect this year. All the animals are equal. If you never understood what that meant, here you go. All the animals are equal. Some are more equal than others. You want to open up a restaurant. You don't get to use a gas stove because you're not a celebrity. But Jose, and I'm not even saying he's a bad guy. He knows the right people in the right places. Everything about this screams those classic notes of cronyism, screams of the classic, uh, you know, it's uh, for thee, not for me kind of stuff. This is ugly. And the people of Palo Alto, the people of California, the people of the country are right to say this is disgusting. Well, you just pointed out why it's disgusting. Well, there are two reasons why it's disgusting. First of all, a ban in general is ridiculous. But then on top of it, the fact that, well, if you know somebody, you can get around the ban. That is it's so tiresome. And you see it around the country. I mean, even when if you go back to some of the stuff that went on during uh, the covid restriction era where you saw people who were making bans uh, on different things, different activities, then turning around and participating in that activity because they felt that they were above the restrictions on commoners. Uh, it's, it's, It's just tiresome. The city of Palo Alto says, now wait a second. His restaurant... Zatinya, Z-A-Y-T-I-N-Y-A. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. I really do. It's been in the works since 2019. That's when it got approval from the city. So they've only recently changed this rule. Andres said, this isn't going to work for me. If I can't put in a gas stove, I'm not doing the project. It has taken him four years to get to the place where, I like the whole thing, is this because COVID slowed things down, slowed down money? It's all possible. So this is where they're trying to say, hey, there's a reason for this. There's a caveat for this. That dog won't hunt. No. Here's the other thing, too. You, Way, way back in the day, you worked in the restaurant industry, right? I sure did. Can you imagine having a restaurant and having to cook on electric stoves? No. No. I can't. I'm not saying that there aren't people out there who do it. I'm saying I could not imagine it. Not for a second. And no rational person does either. And the idea that somehow there's a ventilation issue, you're talking about open flame or anytime you're talking about grease, you're talking about hood systems, which cost tens of thousands of dollars. These things are massive and incredible. And the air's moving and the air's circulating. This isn't an issue. This is a solution and a bad one because it's about control. In search of a problem. This problem is much more invented than it is real life. I could argue that anything in a confined space is bad for you. Fingers Malloy and you in a closet after he had three bean burritos and one of his world famous convenient, you know, uh, what's what do you got? Vending machine kind of food runs. Very bad for you. I would think that most people would think that would be a delightful experience. 
Is that right? Yeah, that that is right. Should we just start offering that out? That could be part of the whole eat, drink, smoke wedding package that we've talked about. We'll marry you, and then for a while, if you want to, you can sit in the closet with me. Yeah. Seven minutes and not so heaven. <laughs> I believe is what they call that game. Anything in a combined space. That's the point. This this is. Don't ask me to be okay with this. This is abusive, ugly, silly, and and most importantly. Oh, I, the most importantly can go a couple different ways. So I won't say most importantly. This isn't science. This isn't science. Sorry, it's not science. I just feel like this is another situation where bureaucrats continue to have to prove why they are necessary. And they come up with problems that really don't exist and then create solutions for the problem that really doesn't exist. And it just wreaks havoc on regular Americans' lives. The state of New York banned natural gas stoves in most new homes and buildings beginning in 2026. So in some buildings, based on the number of stories, it's 2025. And then after that, it's 2026. It's not okay. It's shameful. And I, I'm curious to see how many people, you know, we, we've talked about the political situation seen in California. How is anybody still living there? And people have been moving out in droves. New York, they've been moving out in droves. When does that really start motoring? And when does New York State start realizing that they're controlled by the city? Like, for example, Illinois is controlled by Cook County. Yeah. Now, this, regardless of where your politics are, we're just discussing a factual thing here. The five boroughs of New York, they control, in terms of voting population, they control so much of what happens. It is really unfair to someone living in Binghamton or in Rochester or, or another place. Yeah. If you're in Buffalo, New York, and you want your gas stove and you want it now and it's 2027 you're going to be told you can't have it because the politics of of new york the pull of new york who they vote for uh makes it to where they've deemed it that you shouldn't be able to have that gas stove i I don't know tony it it's just it's just so frustrating to see all this because then you have to ask yourself what's next we were told that you were being ridiculous saying that they were going to ban gas stoves. You were just a conspiracy theorist. And it didn't even take two months before a state just stepped up and said, yeah, you know what? We're going to ban them. Right. So what's next? When it came up at the first and people said, this is wrong, we, everybody backtracked. Oh, you're overreacting. No one's trying to do this. They did it. So no, you're not overreacting when this radicalness gets brought up. People should make decisions about what's best for them and we shouldn't be engaging something that has zero science behind it i can point you to studies to say that this isn't the way it is it doesn't jeopardize health the way it's being described it used to be they would just throw a warning label up and make themselves feel better now they, they've just gone way past that it's like no nah, we're gonna ban it not interested in the levels of control guys i am interested in the La Aroma de Cuba Mi Amor Cigar, the 6x52, which we're smoking. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Our new book, Let's Go Bourbon, the bourbon reader you've always needed, is now available on Amazon.com and our website, EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. Pick up a copy today. You can't think of Heaven Hill without Elijah Craig, and you cannot think of Elijah Craig without Heaven Hill. The father of bourbon. Well, that could very well be true. 
but it don't matter when you hand fingers Malloy something that is 125 proof. <laughs> He's so excited. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is the giggly favorite amateur drinker of America, nay, the globe, Fingers Malloy, and today it is the Elijah Craig Barrel-Proof Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey coming in at 125.6 proof. <laughs> Anything over 100 proof gets applause from Fingers Malloy. This is the A123 batch. So there's the A122, and there's a series of other batches that exist out there. Uh, this is the A123. This is 12 years age with a mash bill of 78% corn. Woo, Nelson. 12% malted barley and 10% rye. Now, Fingers Malloy, taking a look at this right here. Have you had your nose in this yet? yet? No, I've been waiting impatiently. <laughs> Smell that. Smell that. Oh, that that's deep, wonderful. Deep amber. Uh, color almost looking a bit reddish orange and that nose that's luscious that is actually a thick thick nose the caramel off that is super rich there's a nice bit of vanilla almost a chocolatey going on and the oak and a hint Tony shtickle a shtickle of cherry for me in my mind. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And it, you might think of it as a dark fruit. But those flavors are are actually extremely pronounced. They're big. They're bold. They're del- it, it's, it's delicious. It's salivating. That's how good this nose is right here. The other thing, too, we're talking about something that's 125 proof. No sl- sense of ethanol, alcohol. The slightest. You're getting a little bit? The, well, I'm more sensitive than you. I am, you know, a petite flower. A little um, bit? A little bit. Oh, that is, it's, it's a wonderful, thick, delicious nose right there. Fingers, boy, there's no time to lose. Are you ready for this? Tony, I've been ready for this all week. We take it neat. That's how we start our bourbon, the Elijah Craig Barrel-Proof Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Fingers Malloy doing what is known as the Kentucky Chew, moving it around the palate, really getting a feel for it. Sometimes you might want to take a second sip. The first sip really sets the taste buds. The second sip really allows you to experience it. Fingers Malloy. Oh, there's so much here. First of all, um, you're going to notice a sting on the tongue. Is that right? Yeah. At 125 it's, proof? It's there. It, 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 it goes into your mouth. It stings your tongue, and it says, hello. That's what it says. Mm. Uh, then you and my aunt Shirley. After you get past that, uh, there's that the the caramel that you talked about. That oak is there. Maybe a little bit of cinnamon, uh, and it's 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 a spice. There's a spice there that I can't quite put my finger on. It's very nice. I'm going in fingers. I'm going into the Elijah Craig Barrel Proof Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. By the way, if you want to learn more about Elijah Craig. You buy our book, Let's Go Bourbon. It's at Amazon.com, and you'll learn more about Elijah Craig right there and all the great names in bourbon. Here I go. The Barrel Proof, 125.6 proof, fingers below. I'm going in. I'm going in. It has been lingering on my tongue for a good minute and a half. He's going in, ladies and gentlemen. He's doing what we call the Saginaw Swish. He's enjoying it. Or maybe he's just, just enjoying that I said that we call it the Saginaw Swish. He doesn't seem to be enjoying that. 
<laughs> he looks happy. Eee. We really need to videotape Ooh. these. Oh, the live stream is coming, Boo Bear. <laughs> um, oh, oh, my. Wow. Oh, it takes a second, but... All right. The, the sting is the full tongue. Yeah. The full tongue. It's not only a sting, it's a heat. So it's double. Oddly enough, there is no heat center chest, no heat in the <laughs> no. chest at all. This is weird. It's all on the tongue. It was a full envelopment uh, of of the tongue, and she stays there for a while. Yes, yeah, she, yes, she does. Uh, and I think that 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 kind of that caramel chocolate really comes through. And there's also this almost this acidic that's happening here, which is weird because the nose. Makes you think everything is base and rich and 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 that and then this is this comes in with that finish just with some spice and, and a and a punch like that it, it it the nose does not represent what the flavor is the flavor is much more intense and kind of it's weird that I would say that a flavor is pungent but that's exactly what we're talking about here. Like, I want the cube more than anything. It I, Again, you know, I just brought it up about a minute ago. I wish we were streaming this. Your, your, your nose is still kind of crinkled up in the air from, from what we just experienced. And uh, you, you can't say this is one, uh, one trick pony. That's for sure. There's, there's so much going on here. Uh, I'm interested, though. Would you consider this... I mean, clearly this is not a, a bourbon for for the entire table. God, no. I don't know if it's a bourbon for this table. <laughs> oh, half the table. Dude, that is so... so the, the I'm going to call it the problem, and that's not the right word. This is not the finish I want in a bourbon. Mm -hmm. I can appreciate what's happening, but my tongue is not pleased. The nose is so perfect. The flavor is so peculiar in the finish. I'm like, I, I I need something to bring down what I would call acidic. That um, that that is it is it? It's, it's like when something is overcharred. Hmm. Maybe that's the way to put it. Maybe maybe the problem is your tongue just hasn't been trained properly. It's very possible. W what we need to do is put you on a steady diet for six months. Uh, Ninety percent of your meals need to come from a gas station. Then maybe <laughs> it would Fingers, work for you. Um, I I'm I'm confused. I am confused with the Elijah Craig Barrel Proof, the A one twenty three coming in at one hundred twenty five point six proof. Which is again dumb because it doesn't feel like 125 proof at all. Just on the tongue. The finish is still there and it's a it's it's a touch bitter. Matt, you gotta want that flavor. You gotta want that finger. I'm just absolutely amazed at that high level of proof that you don't feel anything in the chest at all. Now the question, fingers, is is this in your liquor cabinet at an MSRP of $70 a bottle? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm a no. Mm. I'm a no. I'm glad I'm doing it. I desperately want to move it to a cube, 
and kind of see how things change. Remember, water reduces proof, but also opens up your bourbon or your rye. You can get more of a note or less of a note. Uh, and I want to move it to the queue, but you're a yes. That yes, quick. absolutely. Yeah, I'm enjoying uh, the experience. The flavor profile works for me. And yeah, you know, that's a little bit more than I normally like to spend. But I'd pull this out every couple of weeks and have have just a wee nip. You'd have a wee, just a wee. A wee nip. Just a wee. I could go for a milkshake. Okay. I, I, yes. Yes. Okay. Not only okay, definitely. I'm a milkshake fan. If I'm going to eat ice cream, I actually prefer a milkshake because you get to do not only the spoon part, but then it's melting and you get to do the straw part. It's like a two in one. And you get to dip your fries in it, too. And you get to dip your fries in it, fingers. All right, we'll go out for milkshakes after the show. Can we have separate milkshakes, though? I don't want to do the whole same milkshake with two straws. You hurt me. You really do. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is Fingers Malloy. Find everything at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. The good people at Eat This, Not That, who are always good for a list, a list of nonsense, have actually hit upon a list that can make one angry because these are six fast food milkshakes that aren't made with real ice cream. Fingers Malloy. I don't know how I feel about this. This is why I don't get the ice cream over there at Chick-fil-A because it's like ice milk, and that, that's not what Daddy wants. Well, but it's understandable. No, it's not. You you would be sitting there for 15 minutes if everyone in line were getting hand-dipped milkshakes. I'm here to tell you that a milkshake should involve actual ice cream. That said, there are milkshakes on this list that are absolutely perfect. There's nothing wrong with a milkshake that contains space-age polymers. The first thing on this list is the Frosty. And I want to say for the record... The Frosty is not a milkshake. The Frosty is the Frosty. It is in a totally different category of food and therefore is fine and is not false advertising. Thank you. I've spoken. Well, you're exactly right because I never thought that Frosty's, uh, you know, that Wendy's, they, they were claiming it is a milkshake because you eat it with a spoon. You don't eat it with a, you don't, you don't consume it with a straw. Unless you have to, you have to set it out and have it melt for a while before you can use a straw on a frosty. Right, it's always a spoon, and it's right. always French fries, and always French fries. Did you know that McDonald's does not use real ice cream? Of course, because the machine's broken. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> My God, we didn't even plan that. That wasn't even a rehearsal. <laughs> but do you care about that? I, I, you just got done saying that you need your milkshake to be made of real ice cream. But you and I have both championed the shamrock shake. The sham, because again, you'll notice it's not milkshake, it's shake. And nowhere does it say <laughs> milkshake, it is just shake. And yes, the shamrock shake is a perfect confection. Perfect confection. Especially when you pour a wee nip of Elijah Craig in it. Now that would work. <laughs> that would work. Here's the one that I don't understand. Dairy Queen. That's not that's not ice cream. Does Dairy Queen even have ice cream? I mean everything comes out of the machine, right? That's not ice cream? Soft serve could still be ice cream. Can it? Yes, I just said so. Oh, okay. Look, science is settled. Hashtag science. You tell me. I know they've done studies of this at the Fingers Malloy Institute it's for true. Institutes. Yes. Which uh, you got we, a big grant, I believe. We did. We got a, a $500,000 grant 
on soft served ice cream, and we determined that it is ice cream because Tony Katz said it was ice cream. That's that's science right there. They use an artificially flavored vanilla reduced fat ice cream base. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. And according to the proper definition of ice cream, that is not real ice cream. I'm bothered. Then again, when I'm at Dairy Queen, I'm not getting a milkshake. I'm getting a blizzard. Yes. And that's a fundamentally different thing. But what is the blizzard flavor of choice for Tony Katz? Ooh, you bastard. That's not easy. Now, traditionally, it's, it's cookies and cream. The Oreo thing is always a way to go. I don't mind a good couple of Snickers in there as as well. No Butterfinger. No, no, that's just not who, who I am. Uh, you can. I have no issue with the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. I just don't want it in my Blizzard. It's just not where I think it belongs. I want to like a Butterfinger Blizzard. I really do. But what happens? The Butterfinger gets caught in your molars. When you're chewing it. Ah. You know, and who needs that? Although, I guess it would be nice uh, later for a snack. I, I don't know. To me, it's a double Snickers blizzard or go home. Uh, and whenever I'm getting a blizzard, I never leave the house without floss. <laughs> really? You're flossing in the parking lot after you're done with In the parking lot. In the parking lot, right there in the middle of the place. <laughs> Just sit down right on the floor and start flossing. <laughs> a shtickle and then, floss? And then, and then, no, that's fluoride. Mm. And then I lecture to the people about the importance of oral hygiene. <laughs> Number four on the list, I will say to you right now, I didn't even know this existed, Burger King shakes. Oh, yeah. I didn't know Burger King did a milkshake. Yeah, they do. You which know they refer to as a creamy vanilla soft serve base, and they never use the term ice cream. They have good shakes. They're okay, but they're even better when you... When you dunk your onion ring in the shake. Thank you. Thank you. I'll set that anywhere. That's great. An onion ring in the shake is perfect. Perfect and dreamy and perfect. And that, that I haven't done yet. Oh, you've so, got to try it. I don't it. go to Burger King. I do, however, go to Arby's and the curly fry in the Jamocha shake. The Jamocha shake okay, is perfect. I'll is, return thank the you. favor. Um, uh, my wife turned me on to those. She has turned the kids on to those. Everybody's an addict. I had no whole house has diabetes. I, I had no idea about the Jamoka shake because I am not a fan of Arby's. Really? Uh, you know what? I, I'm not a fan of the curly fry. That's it. This is the last episode. Not We're a done. fan of the curly fry. You don't even make any sense. Ugh. You don't make any sense whatsoever. Not a fan. Of the I curly don't fry. want an accordion. French fry. Don't you understand how wrong you sound? What What am I supposed to tell you? Look, I made okay, you speechless. Am I, am I supposed I to, am I supposed to lie to Mute. eat, drink, smoke nation? Fine. Arby's makes fantastic fries. I can't get enough of the curly fries. I go to the store and buy the frozen version of Arby's curly fries. I just, I, I, if I could right now, I would make it rain Arley, Arby's curly fries. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Let's move on. Oh, I'm sorry. You weren't being serious? Was that all a ruse? Listen, we did a whole study over at the Fingers Malloy Institute. <laughs> no, but Arby's, that the Jamocha Shake is fantastic. Um, Jack in the Box. But I think that depends on where you live. Are there Jack in the Box around here? There used to be. I don't think it's there anymore. Um, so uh, they don't use ice cream either. And the number six on the list is Chick-fil-A. But I, the, the, it's not good. Chick-fil-A, look, you and I... 
I did a lot of work uh, over uh, last week, and we actually stopped at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Where I had a... A Cobb salad. I did have a salad. Wasn't a Cobb? It was the Southwest salad. Oh, that's right. It was the Southwest salad. That's, it that's, was shaped like Arizona, if I remember correctly. <laughs> correct. Correct. That's, that, well done. Thank you. Well played. Um, I would not get the, the ice dream... I would not do such a thing. It's not. It's not good. But doesn't it? You know, you look at these shakes. I feel like it scratches the ice cream itch without having to go to another location to get ice cream. Agreed. But a, a, a frosty has never been thought of as a milkshake. That McDonald's isn't using their ice cream to make the milkshakes. I didn't know. You I should, should have known. You should be grateful to go to a McDonald's location and be able to order a milkshake. Is that the next great video? <laughs> Go to five McDonald's and see how many of them have their ice cream machines functioning. Do we have to eat the ice cream at each location? Well, of course. Oh, this is going to get really bad. Don't want to be wasteful. You have to take some lactate. And some Elijah Craig. Oh, and some Elijah. No, we're going to need a driver. We're going to need a, That's going to happen. Little League Baseball, it's as American as apple pie and milkshakes that aren't made from real ice cream. Savagery. Many parents, when they have children, they look forward to their kids suiting up and playing baseball on the weekends. But we have a problem. It's an umpire shortage. And what's to blame? Unruly parents. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Fingers Malloy. He is Tony Katz. Find the new book, Let's Go Barbecue. It's coming very soon. It may even be out right now. It's over at Amazon.com. Now, Tony, uh, did you play Little League Baseball? Look at me. Oh, I'm looking at you. I played soccer. I played soccer. I did not play Little League Baseball. Well, this is a problem with soccer as well and basketball. Uh, there is a shortage of officials, and it's really hitting baseball. Uh, but it, it is also a problem with basketball and other recreational sports for, for youth because you're seeing viral videos of parents unleashing on umpires about what they perceive as bad calls and umpires are, are looking at you know out in the stands and thinking I'm, I'm not getting paid enough to deal with all this and so we're seeing a huge shortage now of officials when it comes to these sports what can we do to start making parents behave at youth sporting events. I've thought a lot about this, Fingers Malloy. I've thought a lot about what will it take to get parents to be normal people and just cheer on the kids and uh, not think that they have to get into a fight just because their kid gets penalized or their kid is out or this, that, and the other. And I have come to only one answer. Lead pipes. <laughs> what? Wow. Always right to violence with you, Tony. I was going to start with sugar in the gas tank and then said, nope, too subtle. Mm. So I went with lead pipes. I don't know what to do. I, I got to tell you, this has been a problem for a long time. Back when I, my first job, when I was in high school, I was 15 years old. I would referee youth football games. Is that right? Yep. And then it turned into um, umpiring youth basketball or baseball games and then refereeing uh, youth basketball games. And... This was back in, in the late 80s, and parents would come unglued at officials. And I would look out into the crowd and think to myself, this is a sixth-grade basketball game, and you are coming absolutely unhinged. 
thankfully back then there weren't cameras on every phone and everything was posted on social media uh, like it is today. So you're making the argument that this has always been the case. It's just now we can see it. Yeah. Between that and I, I do believe it's getting worse because people are getting worse, Tony. I, I, I really, truly believe there was something about the pandemic and social media that people became much more angry on social media. And now since we're through the pandemic, it's now bleeding into real life. And you're seeing people behaving in ways they're, they're, they're not being able to control their anger like they used to. And they're used, they, they would sh- you know, show their anger on social media. And now they're feeling much more comfortable just being angry in public. Do you think you are angrier in general? I am cognizant of how social media can make me angry. I will open up Twitter, which, as we all know, is the worst when it comes to yes. uh, it's it's a cesspool when it comes to uh, discourse, especially when it comes to political discourse in this country. And I I have to. After about five minutes, sometimes I will have to put down my phone, not just get out of Twitter, put down my phone because I will read things that will make me so angry and turn me into a person that I I don't believe I am. I don't know. Do you feel the same way? So I, um, when I'm looking at videos, let's say on a a Facebook feed, uh, I find myself watching these videos of people getting into fights over nothing. The angry Karen this and the fight that. And first, you know, I feel sorry for people named Karen. Uh, That's true. The angry Karen thing is well overplayed because anybody who has a disagreement is now called Karen. Yeah. As opposed to, wait, what are they actually disagreeing about and do they have a point? Is there an argument? But there's a fight about everything. Physical fights about everything. And... You start watching this as you scroll through. It's one after another, after another, after another. And you realize this isn't a guilty pleasure. This is, this is a story. And it's not a story about the people in the fight. It's a story about me celebrating the guy who stood to the side and took a video yeah. of the fight. Attacks in the subway and people are shooting video nowhere near getting involved. Women getting attacked, not even thinking about getting involved and putting a stop to it, just shooting the video. And me watching the video is rewarding that. That's a that's contributory to that. And I said, this was just the other day. I said to myself, what am I doing? How is this good? And imagine if this is all you see. Yeah. Now, I don't believe that a kid playing video games ends up being a mass murderer. You still have control over yourself. You make the decisions for you. But if we're going to engage a conversation of nature versus nurture, which is the conversation that you're bringing up that we're having, well, good Lord, there's a little bit to the nurture now, ain't there? Yeah, there is. And that's another aspect of what brings out anger in me on social media that I don't like. Because you'll see a lot of these videos where it will be, especially high school or middle school students, where the bully is being physical, uh, you know, and 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 pushing around a, a smaller kid, or 
you know, you see stuff like on the subway where it's it's an adult bully. And I find myself hoping that someone punches this person in the face. Right. And rooting for someone to punch this person in the face. And after about 30 seconds, I realize, what are you doing? And I question, why are you engaging in this kind of social media behavior where you are using valuable time to be emotionally drawn into someone who you don't know being punched in the face and you are encouraging in your own mind more violence. That's not a person I want to be. I think this stuff really truly bleeds over into society where people get angrier and angrier based on what they see in social media, based on how they engage social media and some people can't control themselves and if they think their kid is being wronged during a, a, a Little League baseball game, th- there's no filter. They just let it all out. You started the question, uh, and we started the questioning by asking whether or not, I asked you whether you think you're angrier. I can say for me that I am less angry. Really? Than I was. And, you know, you and I were both on radio during COVID, and there was a moment in about April or May of 2020 mm-hmm. where I absolutely got done with my shows every day and said, my God, what am I doing here? We were going to use COVID against one another. We made COVID political. This thing that we're supposed to defeat, we made it political. Dear God, like that was, that was dark. Yeah. Those were a dark couple months as I worked my way through that. And ever since then, just realizing that how they act doesn't mean how I have to act. Reminding myself of that. That's the key. Reminding yourself of that. Because if you don't remind yourself of that, you can get sucked into that vat of anger. And you don't want to be that person. You don't want to get sucked into the vat. Right? I've said that once. I've said it a million times. Unless it's a vat of Elijah Craig barrel proof at 125.6 proof (laughs) on the cube. On the cube, that's rather good, Boo Bear. Yeah. On the Cube, the Elijah Craig Barrel Proof. This is the A123 batch. Batch A123 on the Cube. Neat. Didn't work for me. As for the La Aroma de Cuba, the La Aroma de Cuba Mi Amor, this box press 6x52 for $8 to $10 a stick, that's a nice smoke. That worked out rather well. And in this final third, it's, it's smoking very, very nice. Find everything at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com and go on to Amazon right now and get Let's Go Barbecue, our new book. It's spelled BBQ. Let's Go Barbecue at Amazon.com. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Follow Eat, Drink, Smoke on social media, on Twitter, at Go Eat, Drink, Smoke, on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Eat, Drink, Smoke, and Instagram at Eat, Drink, Smoke Podcast.